Welcome to Exec Insights, conversations about Australian business and the changing world. Part of the changing world, of course, is the rise of digital. We're seeing examples of products and services emerge from new digital platforms. Myself, I've been struck recently by the number of food delivery bikes I see on city and suburban streets, made possible, of course, by platforms such as Uber Eats and Foodora. These are only very visible examples. We know that that digital is creating seismic shifts in how businesses create value and uh, digital will have substantial impact on the future of jobs and work in Australia and globally. In this episode, I speak to Professor Marek Kowalkiewicz, PwC Chair in Digital Economy here at QUT. Marek joined us at QUT from two years in Silicon Valley as Senior Director of Products and Innovation for Software Corporation, SAP. A large part of Marek's role is to ensure that Australia is on the front foot in seizing the opportunities in the digital age. He is active in bringing government, corporate, small business and the academic community together to solve problems and develop digital solutions. Last year, Marek wrote nine business bets for our emerging digital economy for 2016 for the online journal The Conversation. With the benefit of one one year of hindsight, our conversation looks at whether these were good predictions, whether the trends have accelerated and whether other trends have emerged. Hi, Marek. Great to see you, Kate. (laughs) And see you too. Yeah, so firstly, tell us about your position here at QUT as Chair in Digital Economy. So I understand it's the first for Australia. Uh, That's right, and you could argue it's the first for the world as well. Mm. So we we are exploring the digital economy, that set of new phenomena that that we all see around us and and really trying to to understand. The Chair in Digital Economy is a partnership. Mm -hmm. QUT is one of the partners, not the only one. Well, it's a partnership. There's PwC, um, there's Queensland government, and together we form this triangle, if if you will, of government, industry, and academia. It's all about exploring what digital economy is, what opportunities and sometimes challenges does it create, and how can organizations capitalize on those opportunities or address the challenges. It's very important for us to make sure that it's a very academically strong work that we're we're doing here. And at the same time, it's extremely, extremely important for us that whatever we do gets applied or impacts the world. So as in the trend of university for the real world. That's right. Mm. Mm. So it's actually a collaboration among two faculties as well. So it's faculty of business as well as um, science and technology. Indeed. And we could we could really dig deeper and, and even talk about specific schools where we have uh, a, a school of information systems and then school of management. So those two, uh, two groups providing um, various perspectives on the same topic. It, it's very important because uh, a lot that we do is really operating on this um, cross-section or in this cross-section of trends in, in business technology as well as social. So often, you know, we go outside of just business and, and technology and we also make sure that we take into the account the human factor of everything that's happening. Yes, very interesting. So I was really interested in what you wrote for the conversation, which was in January last year, which was nine business bets for our emerging emerging digital economy for 2016. Mm, So there were nine bets. We won't go through all nine, Mm. but I'll pull out some of them and we'll just toss around whether we think that it's still a thing, this bet's still a thing. I'd still put my money on that bet. Uh Or or perhaps, uh, and what's happened in that area as well, and perhaps if there's some others in in 2017 that we should add to that list of nine. Mm. So the first one I picked up was actually 
actually your second of the nine predictions, which was the gig economy is not slowing down. Um, was that true for 2016? Absolutely. We, we, we are not seeing the, the, the gig economy slowing down. In fact, what we're seeing at the moment is uh, that trend maturing. Uh, so there are, there are different questions that we're asking these days as opposed to, say, a year and a half ago. And, that's, uh, and I see it as something very important. But maybe to start with, with, with the, the fact whether it's slowing down or not, uh, I, I noticed that practically every aspect of our lives there is a, a gig economy solution to it, right? So, so just look around, look at the ads on TV, um, look how you get from A to B, look how you get things done, done at, your, at your house, uh, look how you uh, often, for your business, hire individuals to perform specific tasks. So it's definitely happening. Uh, and now back to my point about maturity, I see more and more questions around things like how about uh, the taxation of, of gig economy, uh, how about superannuation in gig economy, how about all sorts of aspects that we take for granted in the non-gig economy uh, that now needs to be taken uh, taken into account in this. Uh, in this yes, it does case. seem to be that the, the, the regulatory aspects of it seem to follow the, the trends. So yeah. we see um, that there's a rise of you know the classical ones like Airbnb or Uber, and then everything about employment law and so forth mm. and taxation seems to follow in their wake. Um, they yeah they do tend to sort of go fast and break things, don't they? And and it's and it's absolutely natural, and I see I see nothing particularly wrong with that. Um, it's the nature of disruption where where disruptors are able to be agile and and change the market so quickly simply because initially they ignore uh, the you know the the limitations that they might have, whether it's, you know, um, social, legislative and, and political limitations. Initially, they try to ignore them, but at some stage, the moment they, you know, they grow to a, either as a business or as a, as a movement to a certain level, they need to take that into account. I think that 2017, in terms of gig economy, is going to be the year of expectations versus reality mm. so we still have this beautiful uh, picture of gig economy the you know the, the the story that has been given to us where you know gig economy will enable anyone to do whatever they want whenever they want for a lot of money the reality is that a lot of money is not usually the uh, the case mm. um, so so we'll see how it goes but 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 for us for individuals uh, we need to learn more about what gig economy is and and be probably sometimes a bit more skeptical about the promises of the gig mm. economy as well. Yeah, interesting space. I'll move on to what your third of your nine, mm. which has to do what uh, I think uh, we're calling the proactive organisation. Mm. Um, so I think the premise there is that value is created by predicting and meeting the needs of customers ahead of time. That's so, right. yeah, how did that play out or is it still playing out? Oh, yeah. So I'd like to say that a proactive organisation is one that is faster than its customers. Um, and the whole point being as a proactive organisation, you know what your customers might need simply because you have access to so much data about them, whether you're a retailer 
and you can predict purchasing trends or you're a government. Uh, we work with uh, the state government here, for instance, and based on the data you might have about your citizens, data that they willingly provide to you and allow you to uh, process, you might be able to, to say, hey, citizen X, I know that uh, you might need to apply for this license or that license because there's a particular business you're running and we know you told us that you want to expand or whatever mm -hmm. it is. So proactive one rather than waiting for someone to apply for those services offers the services um, because they know it makes sense now to your question whether you know that that trend is is happening yes very much so so over 2016 together with Queensland government we've uh, we've launched a number um, of, of such proactive services that are already available to citizens uh, but that's only what my team works on and then when I look out Side, I see uh, organizations such as Amazon, for instance, selling you um, um, house appliances that can now proactively order you know, replenishment products. Right, mm. so you can you can order a, a dishwasher that will order dishwashing liquid soon before it runs out of the current one mm. and this is already happening that sounds really appealing it also sounds creepy <laughs> well a little, a little creepy but uh, uh, you know as a woman and I, I don't know if this is incredibly uh, gender specific but you just want someone in the household to be proactive absolutely. and if it's, if it's amazon i'm more absolutely. than happy no I'm, I'm fully with you and i, I and i and I, I teased you a bit with the with the creepiness of it um, simply because we are actually looking into how as an organization can you prevent that that, that feeling of the cre creepiness, creepiness right? Well, I, I guess oh, when I was thinking, I'm looking at this trend and, and to do with the government space, my favourite and funniest example is um, my brother recently turned 50 and um, the week even before he turned 50, he got his bowel cancer screening kit. That's right. That's <laughs> from right. the government who ha who knew he was turning 50 and yeah. uh, he, he was stunned by that. He said, how do they know I'm turning so that's 50? So that's a surprise and delight. Um, oh, well, I don't know about yeah. delight in that case. <laughs> that's a good point, yes. Uh, definitely not a delightful experience. Experience. Yeah, so it's You're almost right. like well, welcome to old age. Here's your bowel cancer screening kit. That's yeah. right. So, 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 what a government would normally do in such situation, and that's that's part of our research as well. They would they would inform the person saying, hey, because. You are our citizen, and perhaps mm. we have your birth records mm. um, on file. We have calculated that you are about to turn a certain age, and this is why we're sending that to mm. you. The moment you have a message like that, the moment mm. you understand, it's not creepy anymore. So that's a really so, good point. Uh, yes, yeah. and getting getting the um, yeah the feeling of surveillance um, right. away away from what could be a really wonderful um, and you know uh, life enhancing thing. That's so I right. go to your fifth bet, which was the importance of sensing your environment mm. to sort of not be blindsided by disruptive changes. So you're saying if the world around you moves faster than you do, the end is near. And so and you're giving examples. One example, I suppose, about the potential of um, high capacity batteries. So mm. you know whether the energy industry is going to be you know completely blindsided by that trend and our ability. To to maybe start um, distributing energy back into the grid, and but so ha what do we? What's happening there? That's right, and and on the batteries. Since then, we've seen um, a number of countries uh, claiming that solar energy is now cheaper for them than coal, for instance. So, so that trend has definitely, um, and that was that was all about the, the case where I said that incumbents in in industries will be challenged even more just because of that, and and, and we're really seeing that more and more. So, on, on sensing the environment, for me. We see a lot of executives, a lot of CEOs who sleep very well, who do not worry 
about the future of their businesses. Mm. I see and a lot of them. They also seem they're a little bit asleep at the wheel, I think. That's right. Hi, my students out there. I'm talking about you. <laughs> so we call it unconscious incompetence or the fact mm. that you don't know what you don't know, right? Mm. So you're asleep in, in, uh, at the wheel uh, in a way. Um, environmental sensing is all about making sure you do not miss something that, that might be happening around you. And it's very important to not only scan your industry, right? So don't, not, not only look for new business models, technology trends, or even social uh, trends within your industry or within the, the business um, area that you're in, but also go way, way beyond it, way, way, way past just your industry. I Sometimes when I talk to uh, university executives, I say, look, uh, Virgin Airlines could disrupt QUT. And, and, and you know, initially the reaction was, what are you talking about, Mark? Right? Mm. It doesn't make sense. I don't think I'd like the uniform very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's uh, you know, there's 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 a few few things that uh, we probably wouldn't like to have here, but at the same time, this is all about trying to understand what customers you have and why they come to you, right? So some MBA students might uh, might join a university not to learn but to build a network. And a lot of them would would do it. Um, my brother finished his MBA. His only goal was to build his uh, mm, build, build his mm. network. Uh, so there are different reasons why people choose a particular service provider. Now back to Virgin Airlines, they are in a business of often flying important people from or flying often important people uh, from point A to point B. They know who those people are through frequent flyer programs and they could start offering a networking service where, you know, right now Virgin Airlines sells me a, an exit row seat for, I don't know, $25. Maybe next year they could start offering a CEO row seat. Hey, Marek, would you like to sit next to a CEO? Interesting. Uh, so we Without proper environmental scan, without having you know your eyes effectively around your head and like a radar continuously scanning the environment, looking at other industries and so on, it's going to be very hard to, to notice that. What makes it relatively easy is what I just explained, which is understanding why customers come to us and not being focused on a product mm. or a service, mm. and then trying to think what other industries are offering a service that could fulfill the same need. I was just having a discussion with uh, professionals from health industry and I was telling them about um, urban utilities. In fact, those two industries, um, so utilities and, um, uh, and, and health, have a very similar goal, which is ensuring health and well-being of their customers. From that perspective, suddenly a, a water utility could become a competition to a hospital mm. or a GP and the other way around, right? And we don't have too much time to, to delve into details, but um, I'm just going to leave you don't, you don't know where it's going to, the disruption is going to come from. It That's may not right. come from the, uh, the obvious suspects. That's right. Mm. And, and, and I'm going to leave our listeners with just a name of a project, which is called Diagnostic Toilet which sort of shows you where the overlap might be. Mm, yes, mm -hmm. and that's, um, I think, a QUT relevant example. Oh, very much so, yeah. yes. mm. I'll just go to the last of your nine bets, which is that digital intelligence is the new black. So you say that we'll move from digital uh, literacy through digital behaviour to digital elegance, yeah. and your recommendation is that we should all invest in digital literacy and development. So uh, our business is really getting behind that idea? 
Yes. Now I, I need to comment on this um, on this prediction. So it was my prediction that in 20, 2016 we would move um, a bit higher up. I was absolutely wrong. Uh, I I have to admit that that's uh, two of the nine predictions that I had in this article. I think I was wrong, and that's one of the predictions that mm, I was wrong. Wrong in what way? Um, as in, I think we're just as bad, just as stupid as we digitally stupid as we as we used to be. Um, in twenty fifteen, we had the big case of Ashley. Madison, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. where we should have learned that uh, we shouldn't be using uh, government uh, or corporate email addresses. Yes, that was quite stunning, wasn't That's it? That's right, yeah. but yeah. nothing changed. Adult Friend Finder in t- 2016 was exactly the same case. Mm. Uh, a few years ago, we had um, a, a, a very creepy, in a way, case of baby monitors, uh, internet-connected baby monitors, where hackers could hack into them and uh, oh, you know, watch, watch, oh. watch babies, basically. Oh. And there were web pages where, you know, where you could see all the, all the webcams or all the cams. Same story in 2016. Mm. Now, um, I'm, I'm using, you know, very much individual examples or, or examples of um, not not for organizations, but but for, but, but for me, but for, you know the, the the cases where where individuals would make mistakes, um, but it's the same that is happening with organizations. It seems like we keep learning the same lessons mm. or keep trying to learn the same lessons. It's just nothing stays in our heads mm. or in our organizational. No, I memories. suppose if we uh, I mean this, we we say about Exec Insights, it's about Australian business and the changing world. Although we do take yep. a broader view. So is Australia are we hunting in the pack uh, in terms of digital or where would where would we how would we rate in terms of digital literacy digital uptake um, adaptation to digital trends how, how are we going there are there are pockets that are very very advanced and um, especially you know just if you think about uh, digital evolution in general there are pockets of, of big cities that, uh, that that you would compare in terms of digital literacy to you know to the top spots in the world and at the same time there is a digital divide right so if, if we are running in a pack then it's a it's a very very long pack right so there's there's probably you know a few wolves uh, at the beginning but there's quite a few laggards uh, there as well which which basically means and you know everything that i told you about this particular prediction um it's it's immensely important that we focus on education mm. on educating ourselves or on, on educating others so whether we might be ahead of the pack it's it's important that we as individuals, we as organizations also help the others. Mm. Uh, and and it's also our role as a university here to make sure that organizations and individuals understand the importance of, of digital literacy, mm. digital behavior and the digital elegance, as I, mm. as I call it, on top of the pyramid. So we all need to do our bit uh, in business That's schools right. and in faculties of science and technology, we, we mm. all try. Um, thanks for that. Which is where we go to our final um, piece where we learn a little bit more about the individual and, and I, we call this segment, um, that's interesting. So, Marek, have you read something or listened to something recently that made you just stop and think? And generally, I think of it as stopping thinking, mm, yeah, things are definitely changing. But, mm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I try to read a lot, in fact, and, and, and I love, you know, I, I love your, your occasional Bryson. I, I just finished uh, uh, reading At Home, which is his wonderful uh, book where, where he goes through various rooms in a in a house oh, yes, I know that uh, yeah. and uh, and explains the history of each room. Uh, the the book inspired me to to think 
think about um, the the future. So that's a question that I often ask myself when I read something. What's next? So 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 my 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 next question was, what is the room of the future? You know, we didn't used to have a study room in our houses 50 years ago. Now we have a study room. What is the room that we're going to have in 50 years from now, and or maybe 20 years from now? My my bet at the moment is that we're going to have a retail room, which is a, a room you'll go shopping to. Think about an evolution of a hotel minibar where you have a fridge in every room and you can just grab something and in some more advanced hotels you would be able to automatically charge when you grab that bottle or a snack. Um, think about rather than going to a supermarket, allowing supermarkets to put sh- the products on shelves inside your house, inside your re- room, and you only pay when you grab those items. Now, with all the big data, with all the information that uh, that uh, retailers might have about us, they might actually be pretty accurate at restocking our shelves and mm. ensuring that what is there... Is uh, the wine that we like. And that's that, right. Yes, yeah. so, so it could be viable, because I, I know what some listeners might be thinking, like, you know, what if only 5% of the products from the shelves got grabbed? Fair question, but I believe that with the advances in data analytics, we will see much more focused, uh, much more accurate predictions here. Now, the digital room, I gave you an example of a very physical interaction with shelves. Maybe you would have a, you know, a, a, a cupboard where you would have clothes and so on. But it could also be a purely virtual experience. Maybe, you know, you enter a room and you just, you, it's like a holodeck, mm. right? You, you get to touch virtual items and then within one hour they get delivered to your, to your yes. physical that, one. Yes, that right? does sound like a good bet. So, so, so that's, you know, that's, that's definitely an option. I do think that while online shopping is a great idea, I think a, a window of a mobile phone or even a computer is just too small to have this nice experience mm-hmm. of shopping Thank so shopping you. is not only about restocking it's also about experience mm-hmm. so uh yeah that's uh, so I, I wrote a, a book about a home and then i started thinking about digital economy, economy. <laughs> <laughs> it's all digital for you Mark. Here, here's how it works in here's my head how it works. Yes. well watch this space yeah well thanks Marek. that's been Thank really you. instructive it was yeah. a pleasure yeah thanks Thank you for joining us for this episode of Exec Insights. For more information about QUT's executive education programs, please search QUT Executive Education and you'll find a full range of our programs and services.